All right. Well, welcome to this episode of the Texas Tech edition of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Jackson Moody. We have an absolutely massive episode because our biggest baseball series of the weekend looms, Texas Tech, just inside the bubble after taking two of three from Sam Houston State and having a great two-game sweep over Abilene Christian on Tuesday. But it's West Virginia this weekend in Morgantown, and they have a lethal one-two punch on the mound. We'll talk about that series coming up. And uh, the basketball roster getting a little bit better. Lamar Washington analysis has returned. On the women's side, they have a full roster. And Bob Huggins is going on radio shows saying some interesting things. And Iowa State players are allegedly gambling on sports. All right, so first we'll start with our series win against Sam Houston State. And it was not a pretty series win. Now, Sam Houston State is not a terrible baseball team, just to be clear. Uh, they are ranked 85th in RPI currently. They are first in the WAC conference. They have a great chance to make it to the NCAA tournament. And um, just for context on their rankings, they are ranked five points ahead of Big 12 newcomers Houston. Um, this was not a pretty series by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, once again, Mason Molina struggled. And now he had two good outings before this, but he struggled in this one. Uh, we won 12 to 10 on Friday night. We fell behind three, nothing, but four scoring six. We did not post a clean inning till the eighth. And then it was Brandon Beckel, of course, coming in, throwing a clean inning in the ninth. Uh, Josh Sanders also did some work there in the eighth and the seventh. And Derek Bridges got an out to get us to Brandon Beckel to close out the series. Uh, Mason Molina went three and two thirds, gave up five earned runs, six hits, two walks, four strikeouts. Not a great performance from him. Uh, now he had two really good performances before this one. So still, I don't think there's much concern. I think you feel comfortable with him going on Friday against West Virginia, but you pitched seven guys in that opening game. And then Saturday, the wheels just fell off. Your offense just wasn't there. You fell behind. 2-0 early. They added five more in the fourth. He got one back in the fourth. And then they added a couple in the eighth and ninth. Um, one each. And then you put in, put up two in the eighth, but never really in the game. Trenton Parrish, um, it wasn't his best outing by any stretch. He did go five innings, which is a bit longer than we normally see him go. He got 85 pitches um, in five innings, allowed seven runs on six hits, two earned, walked four, was not a great performance. Uh, we'll talk about the entire pitching staff as a whole after I go through Sunday. On Sunday, it was another slugfest. You found a way. Brandon Beckel getting yet another save. You got four in the first, then you give up three in the second. You're tied in the bottom of the third, then you had a pair in each of the third and the fourth. Um, you only posted four clean in innings in this game. Um, you're only held scoreless in three out of the eight innings you played, so that's good. Um, but was not a pretty series by any means for this team, but it was exactly what Texas Tech needed. They needed to win this game, or they needed to win this series. This is a top 100 RPI team. This is not some throwaway game against a team ranked 250 in the RPI like you play sometimes early in the season. This was an important game for them, and they got it. Didn't hurt them in the RPI, and it set them up really well for Tuesday. And so I just want to talk about this team, just comparing uh, the bats were a lot better than last weekend. I talked about we only had a 210 batting average last weekend against Kansas State, 
which is quite terrible for this team. Their slugging percentage, uh, just <laughs> for some context, last weekend was 340. This weekend, you hit 304. You improved your batting average by 96 points, and your slugging percentage was a 471. Yes, it's to a more inferior opponent and at home, but to improve by your slugging by 341 points and your batting average by 96 points was really good. Uh, Nolan Hester, these are just get, went two for seven on the weekend. Uh, Gage Harrelson, two for seven, qual, pretty quality there. Uh, Kevin Bazell hit 400 with 1,000 slugging. He got a home run. Um, pretty good performance. Some guys who struggled. Gavin Cash did not play well this weekend. 2 of 13, 154. You're going to need more out of him this weekend against West Virginia. Austin Green also, he had been struggling. He looked a lot better on Tuesday against Abilene Christian, and we'll get there. But just for some context on Austin Green, he was 1 for 13 against Kansas State, and then he posted 1 for 9 against Sam Houston State. So he is 2 for 22 in his last two weekend series. Hudson White's been going on a tear. He hit 4 for, he batted 4 for 8, 625 slugging. Dylan Carter had a really good weekend against Sam Houston State, batting 4 429. He struggled against Abilene Christian, but he had a 571 slugging against Sam. Zach Vuletic has been looking sensational. And this was a guy I was mad we did not see more of him against Kansas State. Like I said, he didn't play at all on Friday when your bats were just were not going against Kansas State. He got to play in all four games this weekend. Uh, he got four ABs both times, hit six for 12, 500, had a home run, had a sacrifice hit, had a triple, had four singles, 917 slugging on the weekend for Zach Vuletic. Uh, some other notables, Ty Coleman, 4 for 11, 364 average with a home run for a 727 slugging. You only committed two errors this weekend. Um, now, your lineup only committed three errors against Kansas State, but Mason Molina had an error, so you had four errors total against Kansas State. You cut that in half to two against Sam Houston State, even with the ball in play a lot. As we move over to the pitching, you went with Molina on Friday, Parrish on Saturday, Fast on Sunday, and the longest inning by lasted was five innings. Only what? Only Parrish finished the fourth inning, and he allowed seven runs, only two earned, for a three point six ERA. Your combined ERA for the weekend was eight three point three three four. You pitched fifteen guys. You struck out less. You struck out twenty seven last weekend. Only twenty this weekend. It um, the pitching staff is clearly concerning. Clearly concerning. Now, I will say one good thing, and I'm going to get here uh, really soon. Uh, Jacob Rogers has developed in the past week to be a very good arm out of the bullpen. He really has. He pitched just one inning in this series, uh, got one strikeout, one walk, no hits, clean inning, 15 pitches. And then he pitched three scoreless innings on the Tuesday night game against Abilene Christian. I think that he's a guy that we're definitely going to see throw at least two, three innings this weekend. Ethan Coombs, um, he only th got one guy out. He walked one, uh, no runs. He only threw seven pitches in this entire series. 
but he threw two innings against Abilene Christian on Tuesday in the first game. He came in in a tight game and, quite frankly, just did his job very well. And I'm going to move on to Tuesday. I was at this game. Um, unfortunately, I uh, I had a meeting over in Silverton. I was trying to get the, get back for this one. When I got there, I saw that the score when I was at the ticket office was 9-8. So I thought that we were chipping out away at them in the 5th, 6th, and 7th. Saw it was bases loaded. Then I get there, um, sitting there, look over at the scoreboard, and realize we put up 8 in the 7th. We gave up one more in the 5th. Two in the sixth, and then we batted around in the seventh to score eight runs. We batted around in the eighth to score seven runs, and we gave up a pair in the ninth. Um, Ethan Coombs uh, getting the win in this one. He only pitched one and two-thirds, but it was really well done. He only allowed one hit, struck out three, walked nobody. On just 22 pitches, he got five outs. Really good performance by him. Um, Brandon... Brendan Gurton pitched was not a good outing. I I don't know what's happened to this guy. He pitched two and two-thirds, gave up two earned runs, three total, four hits. Walked one guy, threw a wild pitch, got a strikeout. Just, I got to say, Brandon, Gert, Brendan Gurton is the most alarming one. And pitchers will do this sometimes. And now Mason Molina had a really tough stretch this year. And maybe this is just a tough stretch out of the bullpen for Gerton, but he has to be better if you want to do anything in a regional. And you're probably going to need to use Gerton this weekend if you want a chance against West Virginia. So then on f- in the night game, you get the momentum. And that was a huge win, by the way. Really glad that you played this game. I know some people didn't want us to play it. I think that this was the grit this team needed. They looked gritty against Texas. They had fought in every game this season, but it wasn't working. They looked a little bit flat early in the Abilene in this one. They looked a little bit flat against Sam Houston State. They looked flat against Kansas State, and they did not look flat at all once it started going for them against Abilene Christian. And Zane Petty got them, took the ball for the start in the night game. He pitched really well in the first two innings. I think one guy reached base, and that was it. And then it came unraveled in the third inning. He gave up two earned runs, three runs total. Um, I was actually coming back from getting a beer. I was on the first base side, and he left the dugout. He was definitely visibly frustrated, just took a moment there. But in came Jacob Rogers after that. And this guy, I talked about him earlier, three clean innings, struck out three, no hits, walked one, only 34 pitches to get through three innings, faced 10 batters total. He, he was sensational. This guy is going to get at least two or three innings against West Virginia, and you're going to need him to be good. He was really good against Sam Houston State for you. He was really good here against ACU. Can he do it against that lethal West Virginia offense? And then Ryan Free came in, closed out the game. Overall, you went 13 for 30. It's not even really worth talking about this game. You put on, you tacked on three in the first, three in the second. They put on, they put three on you in the third. Then you got one back, couple score. Then you were clean the rest of the way. Didn't allow another run. Put up three in the fifth and ended it by run rolling it in the seventh by scoring another three um, off of a Nolan Hester single. This team looked really good. Uh, their lineup for this one was Nolan Hester. Zach Vuletic, Kevin Bazell, Gavin Cash, Hudson White, Dylan Carter, 
Austin Green was DHing. I like that better. Will Burns uh, got in at shortstop. He didn't have a good game. He went 0 for 2, but got got walked three times. Tracer Lopez went 1 for 4. Um, I really like that infield with Cash on first, Bazell on second, Burns at short, and Tracer Lopez at second. I I really like that infield. Um, and then in the outfield, you went with Carter in center. Nolan Hester, I think, has left field locked down. I like Zach Vuletic over in right field. Hudson White's been hitting sensationally. He went four for four with six RBIs in this second game after going after batting 500 against Sam Houston State. I think Hudson White's getting the bat going. Um, Austin Maxey also in that first game hit a nice home run uh, to give you a big cushion. I think that that his home run in the first game extended it to 15 to nine. So I like what you have with catching. I think that you go with, with White on Friday and Sunday and Maxey on Saturday against West Virginia. And I think that you can probably take Austin Green out of the lineup on Saturday. He, he's been struggling. He went 0 for 3 against ACU. He looked better in the first game, but he went 0 for 3 in that full game. He was 2 for 22 in his last two weekend series. I, I don't think that you can have this guy playing second. His defense has gotten better over the year, but he's still a bit of a liability over at second base. And that brings me to talking about West Virginia this weekend. And this is an absolutely massive game. I mean, there's no other way to put it. You got two guys on West Virginia, that they're Friday and Saturday starters, that are going to be absolutely lethal. Ben Hampton has 12 starts. He has a 3.95 ERA. He's pitched 70 and two-thirds. West Virginia has won four straight series openers with him on the mound. Now, Blaine Traxel, um, there was some thought that he may not be available to pitch on Saturday for West Virginia or Sunday because normally when pitchers are ejected, it carries a four-game suspension. That's what happened to Austin Beckel for us against Texas. However, his ejection happened on Sunday. He was not a pitcher Sunday, so technically he was a position player since he didn't play. And it was only one game. They have a midweek, so he'd be available to go Friday, but they are going to pitch him on Saturday. He has a 3.32 ERA in 12 starts over 86 and two-thirds. He pitched a complete game shutout against Baylor two weeks ago and pitched seven innings against Oklahoma allowing five runs in his last outing. Now, I think there is some room to get at West Virginia on Sunday. The problem is I have no clue who's going to start for us Sunday. Obviously, it's going to be Molina on Friday, likely Trenton Parrish on Saturday. Then I don't know who you throw on Sunday for us, but West Virginia is kind of in a similar position. They have a freshman, Robbie Porco. Uh, He's going to take a mound, but it's going to be – an opener role. He pitched two and two thirds against Baylor and one and a third against Oklahoma. However, they've won their last two series finales. Um, it is going to be a uphill. It's going to be a tall task for Texas Tech this weekend. And for all intents and purposes, the season's on the line this weekend. 40 wins is probably going to guarantee you a berth. 
that would be winning out. You have three games left at home against Kansas at this one. If you can get at least a game off of West Virginia, and then then you set yourself up. So sweeping Kansas, you're to 38 wins. You can get a couple more in the Big 12 tournament, and you're in really good shape. If you don't do that, if you get swept, you're probably looking at your season coming to a close. If Texas Tech can somehow find a way to, to get this series win. And Blaine Traxel, I will say, I know he pitched a complete game shutout against Baylor. But he did not look good, that good against Oklahoma. He did give up five runs, and that is over seven innings. They lost that game. It's going to depend on what your bats do. If you're batting with that 304 average or anywhere near that, if you can get a 260 average, you don't even need the 471 slugging. If you can have a 400 team slugging, you're probably going to be in decent shape. But if you come out, bat 210 again, like you did it at Kansas State with the 340 slugging, there's just, it, it's just not going to happen. If you can get hot early, like you did against Abilene Christian in uh, the Tuesday night game, because I will say, Abilene Christian. They, it was kind of funny because I was sitting with someone and they said, yeah, they, they said, how many pitchers do they have? Because they pulled their first guy in the first and you look out there and there's only two guys in the bullpen. Now they were sending them back to the bullpen, but it looked like it was a concerning situation for ACU. If you can get into that pen early on either Friday or Saturday, you're in good shape. And this offense Probably the best offense in the Big 12. They're the ones that can do it. The problem is, man, against Hampton and Traxel, that is going to be a tall task. And on the other side, you're going to be up against some really good batters. J.J. Weatherholt has a 470 batting average with an 834 slugging and 14 home runs for West Virginia. Overall, West Virginia has four guys with over 75 at-bats that have over a 300 average and 10 guys with over a 250 average. Slugging-wise, there's eight West Virginia batters posting over 400 and five over 500. Now, they are not as strong as your lineup is, by the way. You have, uh, with the same metrics, you have seven guys batting over 300 and 11 over 250. Slugging-wise, you have six guys over 500 with 11 over 400. So your lineup's definitely better. I think that West Virginia's bullpen, um, they've been a little bit better than your bullpen, but I don't think they have the depth that your bullpen has because you threw 15 guys against Sam Houston State. You threw 12 guys against Kansas State. You you have some depth on your team in the bullpen. The problem is it's just them showing up. I really like Ethan Combs or Coombs. He pitched really well against um, Abilene Christian. He pitched well against Sam Houston State. I think that uh, Jacob Robinson, and now he didn't even go against Kansas State, but he's, or sorry, Jacob Rogers. I'm sorry. Jacob Rogers, he didn't go against Kansas State, but he got that inning against Sam Houston State. You're going to need him to pitch at least two or three innings this weekend. You're going to need Gerton to come in at some point and eat up innings. He only got two outs against Kansas State. Eight. He's uh, he's certainly concerning for you, to say the least. But if you can get some depth out of your bullpen, if, if they can have their stuff at least one or two of the days, 
And if you can take Friday or Saturday, if you can either get a win off of Hampton or Traxel, and those guys combined on the year, you have a total of five losses between them. So these guys, hey, they're not ungettable. Problem is, Blaine Traxel's pitched five complete games, so that's going to give them some depth out of the bullpen for sure um, if he can go deep on you. But if you can hold him to four or to five, even six innings, I think you would take that. If Traxel gets bounced after five or six innings, that would be a great win. If Trenton Parrish can get you at least four, maybe even five quality innings on Saturday. And Mason Molina, you're going to need him to look like he did against Kansas State. Um, He can't look like he did against Sam Houston State if you want to beat – West Virginia with Ben Hampton on the mound on Friday. All right. Well, that's enough preview of the at series as a whole. Um, It's going to be a massive one. Starts on Friday. It's really got to be a must win. You're playing at 5.30 p.m. Central on Friday, 3 p.m. Central Saturday, and then noon Central on Sunday, all on ESPN+. Um, West Virginia with a two-game lead in the Big 12. They have a chance to clinch a share. They're two games up on both Oklahoma State and Kansas State who happen to play each other in Stillwater this weekend. So if they sweep you and there's a split over in Stillwater, then West Virginia will clinch a share of their first Big 12 title ever and a share of their first conference title since 1997. Now, from the full view on it, Texas Tech, currently 51 in the RPAI. They've moved up eight spots in the last seven days. They got a big bump by getting a road win over Abilene Christian in Lubbock. Um, you're back in it. You're in D1 baseball. You're on their bubble, but you are on the right side of the field. They have you going to Wake Forest, uh, Winston-Salem, to play as the three seed who and Wake Forest is their number one team in the nation. So that could be difficult. But you're certainly in it. If you get a series win, you're probably definitely in the field as long as you get a series wins win against Kansas. If you can get one out of three and then go sweep Kansas, then I think that it's pretty much all said and done. And by the way, you are four and two in Big 12 series this year. You've only dropped two series. One of them was a sweep, which hurt one of them was a bad loss to Kansas State at a very tough time of the year. Kansas State's number 55 in the RPI, though. So they're a decent ball club, too. Um, moving on from that, we got to talk about Lamar Washington is returning. That's great. I think McCaslin, um, obviously, there hasn't been much news. The news that has come out has been good. Apparently, there were a couple players on campus this past weekend Um, it's going to be a bit of a rebuilding year. It's not going to be as bad as this past year. Um, the lady Raiders have completely filled out their roster, so they don't have to worry about the transfer portal, but the Womble hopefully will still be busy with men's transfer recruits coming in. Now on the big 12 side, Bob Huggins said something on a radio show. Basically he was a coach of Cincinnati. They have a massive rivalry with Xavier and he called them Catholic, um, some and then a gay slur. Um, and he, he pretty much doubled down on it uh, in the space of a few seconds. And now, West Virginia has decided not to fire Bob Huggins. They have reduced his salary by a million dollars. They 
are making him attend sensitivity training, which I hope will be streamed on ESPN+. And then, of course, they suspended him three games. Now, I thought he would get more than three games. I didn't think there was a chance that they were going to fire him, though. Look, it, it was incredibly stupid for him to say it. It was offensive, hurtful, all that. He deserves to be punished. I think he deserves more than three games. But, I mean... He said a word. He said an offensive word. It's bad. You have you have Jim Beheim who killed a guy while driving and then got a standing ovation. You have Chris Beard who allegedly, um, and now he's not going to be charged, but was accused of choking his fiance and beating her, and he gets a job the very next season. I... I think if West Virginia didn't have such a great transfer class coming in and had just missed the tournament, then West Virginia would have gotten rid of him. But when you have the best transfer class in the nation coming in and you just did make the tournament and finished last season pretty good, I didn't think there was a chance they were going to fire him. And I, I personally don't think your career should be derailed by that. Now, it was incredibly stupid of him to say it. And obviously, if he does something that stupid again, then he should be fired. But, yeah, that West Virginia wasn't going to fire him, I don't think. I, I don't know if that was really ever that close to happening. I mean, there was a player for the New York Red Bulls, the MLS soccer team in New York. And the soccer fan base in New York would be much more sensitive to this stuff than the basketball fan base in West Virginia. But he basically called somebody a racial slur. Um, in the field, he didn't get released from the team. He got six games, and that was it. So I, and that happened a couple weeks before this. So even when this stuff came out about Bob Huggins, I didn't really ever think that he was going to get fired. I think it's probably the right decision that West Virginia didn't fire him. All right, but that one's going to do it for us today. Uh, today, um, I appreciate all of y'all listening. If y'all will uh, rate this podcast and go ahead and subscribe. Um, I will be back on, we'll probably have the next one up Tuesday because this is going to be a massive series with West Virginia and there will be a lot to talk about it. And it really is almost go or go home time for Texas Tech.